is uh, I'd like to share a quote from Mark Nepo. When we hesitate in being direct, we unknowingly slip something on, some added layer of protection that keeps us from feeling the world. And often this thin covering is the beginning of a loneliness which, if not put down, diminishes our chance of joy. It's like wearing gloves every time we touch something and then, forgetting we chose to put them on, we complain that nothing feels quite real. Our challenge each day is not to get dressed to face the world, but to unglove ourselves so the doorknob feels cold, the car handle feels wet, and the kiss goodbye feels like the lips of another being, soft and unrepeatable. So we're continuing our exploration of the Satipatthana Sutta, the Buddha's Four Foundations of Mindfulness. And uh, there's a combination of lineages here at Spirit Rock, predominantly uh, folks who studied in the Thai forest tradition of Ajahn Chah, uh, Jack Cornfield, founder of this place, or one of the founders of this place, was a monk in that lineage for some years. My teachers, Tensor and Kitasaro, were monastics in that tradition. And side by side with that lineage or school of Buddhism, we have the influence from the Burmese masters, primarily Mahasi Sayadaw, who was the first. Uh, modern meditation master to teach meditation to lay people, to the masses. And so there's a kind of, and then we are influenced by so many other things that we've been involved in or studied. Um, Goenka and Deepama and Manindra and uh, even Zen and Tibetan Buddhism. So there's a kind of Venn diagram of what you get when you come to Spirit Rock. Uh, In this retreat, we're focusing primarily on the early teachings of the Buddha. So the Satipatthana Sutta, the four foundations of mindfulness, which are body, vedana, mind. And then the fourth foundation includes the hindrances, which is the framework of this retreat. We've taken liberty with the order of things, Uh, So today I'm going to talk about Vedana, which is the second foundation. We also took liberty with the order of the hindrances. The usual order they're presented in is greed, aversion, sloth, torpor, restlessness, and doubt. But we rearranged it because we kind of thought, well, you come to retreat, tend to be really restless. We'll start with restlessness, and then the sleepiness sets in. We go to sleepiness, and then the complaints start. (laughs) And uh, and tonight, Booker will talk about desire, and then we'll all do something on doubt on the last full uh, non-ceremony day. So we've covered breath, body, how we develop 
or establish mindfulness in the breath, in the body. We've talked about mind states. Um, and in talking about the hindrances, there's been an implied but not direct instruction um, to note the experience, to drop in a mental note. Oh, desire is present. Drop in a mental note. Oh, the mind is distracted. So this can be a very helpful practice. Some of you I know already do this practice, but it's an invitation. As we, as we move through this retreat, we've started with a kind of loyalty to the anchor. So feeling the breath in the body, feeling the body from within the body. Whenever you notice a distraction, you just come back to the anchor. Just come back to the anchor. And as we get more settled, there's an invitation to loosen the grip on the anchor and open more to explore what is being called, what the attention is being called to explore. One of the very fruitful things we can include in this exploration of experience is uh, Vedana or Vedana. The V's in Pali are somewhere between a V and a W. Uh, and this Vedana is just the experience. Anytime there is some experience, you hear a sound, see a sight, feel a feeling, a thought arises. And simultaneously, almost, with that arising, there's a sense of pleasant, a sense of unpleasant, or a sense of neither pleasant or unpleasant. Sometimes people call neither pleasant nor unpleasant neutral. I'm not a fan of the word neutral because I think it, it has a Vedana in it, which is unpleasant. So I'm going to use the more laborious way of neither pleasant nor unpleasant. And um, this is a universal factor of mind. Every time the awareness makes contact with an object, there's a simultaneous arising of this Vedana. And it's, it's kind of before emotion or reactivity. Sometimes we call this feeling tone. This can get confusing because feelings also describe emotions, but it's before we object, before we like, dislike, before we're leaning in or before we're bracing. It's that moment of recognition. Sometimes this is called affective tone or hedonic tone. And the word Vedana comes from a Pali verb, Vediti, which means to feel or to know. So this is a non-cognitive way of knowing. And Vedana is conditioned. So it arises and falls away according to conditions. Um, and all conditioned phenomena the Buddha taught, are unsatisfactory, impermanent, and impersonal. Also, the Vedana is not in the object itself. It's a fabrication of the mind that we experience in the mind or the body. So, uh, if you like cake, the first slice of cake is pleasant. 
second slice of cake might still be like mostly pleasant. Usually by the time you're on your third slice of cake, (laughs) very unpleasant. Maybe you enjoy electronic dance music, pleasant. But even if you enjoy that music when you're trying to sleep, not so pleasant. And of course, this sense of what's pleasant or unpleasant you know, varies from person to person, varies from moment to moment, and it's profoundly influenced by our, our disposition, our cultures of origin, our society, our beliefs, all the ways in which we've been conditioned. The Buddha said, all things converge on Vedana. And I've seen this to be very much true in how when I began to investigate this experience of pleasant and unpleasant to see how intertwined it is with all the macro and micro decisions I make in a day, mostly oriented around moving towards what's pleasant, moving away from what's pleasant. And um, when it's neutral, just kind of zoning out the mind is very easily attracted to that which is very unpleasant or very unpleasant. But there's a vast spectrum that's of sort of ordinary experience that's just sort of somewhere around neutral. And if we're tuning out all those experiences, it's almost like we're missing most of our life. You think about how much time we spend on the extremes. And the habit pattern of uh, moving towards pleasant, moving away from unpleasant, you know, on one level it's sort of biological, it's kind of like okay, like we, we want to be comfortable, we want to protect this body, uh, we want to encourage pleasant feeling. The problem is when we think that, as I was saying yesterday, that this is the formula for a kind of durable sense of well-being, that if we can just arrange the furniture just right, everything will be okay. And so our life becomes this constant rearrangement of the furniture. One really good way to practice that I'm going to recommend is that we continue with this process of gathering and collecting the mind, having some fidelity to an anchor, and then in the moments that we notice there's a distraction, that we're no longer attending to the anchor, um, we can drop in a label or just sense into, is this experience pleasant, unpleasant, neutral? And with the unpleasant, I've often found it quite helpful to say, that's just unpleasant. There can be very powerful thoughts that can spin this into uh, something more than it is. What would it be to experience unpleasant as just unpleasant, knowing that it's not personal, it won't last, and even the pleasant is inherently unsatisfactory because it doesn't last.
So as we begin our practice, just sensing in for some experience of the body that's mildly unpleasant. Making contact with some little ache and pain or some muscle that's a little tight. Maybe noticing how the mind reacts, not liking, pushing away. Does aversion arise? Or a longing or desire for some better state? Now shifting the attention to some place in the body where there's a sense of puzzling, a sense of ease, contentment, some sense of well-being, even if it's just the tiniest point in the center of the palms, the top of the head. Noticing if there's a reaction, some leaning in, some subtle grasping. And then seeing if you can find some part of the body that's neither pleasant nor unpleasant. Sometimes quite elusive, but somewhere in the spectrum around neutral. And seeing what happens in the mind. Sometimes when the mind is so used to engagement and stimulation and challenge that uh, neutral might seem kind of boring or slightly unpleasant. And then inviting you again to establish contact with your anchor, resting the awareness on the feeling of the breath moving through the body. Letting the field of awareness be filled with this flow of sensations, 
with the sense that everything else just kind of fades into the background. And letting it be really simple. Breathing in, knowing that you're breathing in. When breathing out, knowing that you're breathing out. And every time you notice that the attention has wandered from your anchor, making a point to notice the overall Vedana that's present. Might even notice different parts of the body with different Vedana. energy that's beneath the distracting thought. And then when that exploration feels complete, or maybe the mind has wandered again, coming back to the anchor,
And every time you notice that the attention has wandered, you can use the acronym RAFT. Recognize the experience. And be helpful to drop in a mental note, planning, remembering, rehearsing, daydreaming. Relaxing into that experience for the moment, allowing it to be. And then feeling into the feeling. Noticing the Vedana of this experience. Is it pleasant? Is it unpleasant? Somewhere in between. And then teasing it apart. Seeing where there's a thought, a story, a view. Bowing to that inner dialogue. And noticing how the experience manifests in the body. It's the energy in the body. Where is it located? Is it swirling or vibratory? Hot or cold? Static or moving? Be even micro sensations of Vedana in each little movement. And then when you're ready or distracted again, coming back to the steadiness of the anchor.
We can uh, sit with the attitude of nothing to do, nowhere to go, nothing to get or get rid of, no one you have to be or become. Just receiving this moment's experience. Just to be alive is enough. And we can connect with the aliveness of the body through the breath that keeps us alive. If you can maintain this posture of presence and receptivity throughout the day, especially in the moments of transition. So uh, invitation throughout the day as you continue to practice to more and more open to this sense of pleasant, unpleasant, neither pleasant nor unpleasant. Um, and really notice how that affects what the habits of mind are around that experience. Where do we brace? Where do we look away? Where do we lean in? Where do we cling? The Buddha said all things converge on Vedana. One of the reasons is that in this uh, cycle of samsara that we go through, even in any moment, uh, 
the birth, the death, the becoming of each moment, this place between Vedana and the next usual habitual response is some form of clinging or aversion. And this is a very powerful place to break that chain of dependent origination, which can, uh, a kind of form of freedom, breaking our addiction to pleasant. So we have a little bit of time if there are some questions about practice, anything we've talked about thus far.